I am um, going to be preaching in just a moment about a gracious woman. I'm not speaking of a woman in particular, but of what the Bible calls a gracious woman and how to retain uh, your honor as a mom, and especially as a mother. But I wanted to first start off with some thoughts that I had about what is so special about a mom. I like, I like uh, special holidays. I like the ability to sit back and ponder why we celebrate these days. And so I wrote some thoughts, and I just want to share them with you this morning <clears throat> about what's so special about a mom. I'm obviously I'm a guy, so I'm on the receiving end of the blessings of motherhood. But I ponder these things, and I said, so I wrote some of these things down. I wrote, every one of us had a mother. Now that we take for granted. But a mother is neither common nor normal. She's not just a woman who had children. She's a mama. See, now I know in Ireland, a mother is usually called mum, or she's called mom or mother or mommy. But where I grew up, she was called mama. And she was a very special person. She probably only discovered how special she was the day she married her man and willingly changed her name to his. It took a special kind of woman to do that. When she left her family and willingly chose to follow someone she hoped would keep his vows, it takes someone special to do that. There had to be something special in her when she and her husband stared down at all the problems and obstacles they faced when they started their lives together as husband and wife with no idea how to succeed except by faith. That takes a special kind of person. She definitely had something special in her especially when she chose not to build a career, but to build little lives into big ones. To not just bring children into the world, but to raise them in spite of the world. That kind of a woman is not the norm, <clears throat> not anymore. She is not just a parent of children. She is a mama. She is someone that had the, has had the privilege of being something fewer and fewer people want to be, a mother. God honors you, mamas, and will honor you even more one day in his presence. Now, as a Christian man, and as a husband, as a father, I want to honor mamas everywhere with all the honor that God gives them. So this morning, I want to honor the mamas who have stayed married, who stayed with their pregnancies, who loved God and loved their families more than their own lives who took the training of their childhood, of their children seriously, and they sacrificed everything, everything so that their home was a little heaven on earth. May the Lord bless and protect and encourage all the women who are known as mamas. Let's pray. Father, as I start this service, and as we look into your word, I pray you would encourage us with one marvelously wonderful word, grace. I pray for this message to not just be words, and they wouldn't fall on deaf ears, but God, it would be encouragement and help. Lord, uh, and a blessing to everyone who hears. And I pray we'd make some decisions, all of us, men and women, but especially the mamas. Lord, to live by that same grace that made them a mom. So bless what we are about to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to ask you now to go to Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going to talk to you about a gracious woman. 
in Proverbs chapter 11. So go right to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms. And the next book to the right is Proverbs chapter 11, please. In verse 16, I read this scripture a few weeks ago, and it really impressed me. And I marked it, I circled it, and I didn't know what I would do with it until I remembered oh, Mother's Day is coming up. And I liked what I learned. So let me share with you some of those things. You see, <clears throat> in this verse are two statements, and those two statements say a lot, okay? Uh, look at there in Proverbs chapter 11. I've got to get there myself. In verse 16, I'll read it here, and it says this, A gracious woman retaineth honor. That word retain means holds on to. There are retaining walls where there is subsidence or where there is shifting of, of, of dirt. There is, a dam retains water. And here it says, a gracious woman holds on to her honor. Look what else it says. And strong men retain riches. Now the truth is, this world desperately needs a special kind of mother today. I've called them mamas already. Just being a mother is amazing. And, and we men have no idea. Motherhood is a good thing. It's an honorable thing, no matter what the world tells you about being a mom. But children growing up today need mothers that are better than good. Our world, our culture, our Western society needs godly mother, gracious mothers. You see, we live in a day when people think of women like they're portrayed in Hollywood, desperate wives, when they're supposed to be, when a woman is supposed to be fear, fearless, faithful, and full of grace. I want to focus on that last word, grace, this morning, because we need godly mothers in such a way where our world is filled with foolish ones. I see them all the time. I used to see problem children. Now I see problem parents. I see where mothers that are not teaching godliness in their home by their own example. Oh, there's plenty of women who will say to their children what not to do, but they themselves do it. And the children growing up know the hypocrisy. Many of the foolish young lives being wasted that we see on the news every night were destroyed many years ago, not at the hands of their bad friends, but they were taught those foolish things by their parents and even by their mothers. Mom and dads are teaching their children to live without God, without the fear of God, without the law of God in their heart. They don't know how to pray because mama doesn't know how to pray. They don't know how, they don't know how to read their Bible because mom has never read their, her Bible from cover to cover. And so this generation... This generation right now is being robbed of its purity. It's being robbed of its potential and of its future. And you can see it when so many young people have no peace. Yeah, you can blame, uh, you can blame husbands and dads, and we share the blame. Especially the fact that so many dads aren't even at home. They've left. They've abandoned their responsibility. That's a huge factor today. But our world needs better moms. Moms who will do whatever it takes to hold on to the honor of being a mom. And you do it by God's grace. So let me talk to you about this word here. Look back there at verse 16. A gracious woman 
retaineth grace. I want to talk to you about that grace. And when it talks there about this word, let's define that word, okay? We need to understand what that word means. It's not just a name. You meet, here's Susan, here's Siobhan, and here's Grace. Okay, that's a nice name, but Grace has a meaning. It primarily means the ability to put up with someone or something that is not like you. Be able to put up with somebody that doesn't like the things that you like. They don't, they don't do the things that you want done. Yet you tolerate it. You put up with it. You're not upset over it. They may hurt you, but you won't let it hurt you. Grace allows someone to hurt you. That's something that is needed today because that's the meaning of grace. Grace doesn't live a perfect life. Grace lives a hurt life and doesn't hurt back, is kind back. Second part of the meaning of grace is the ability to love someone that is even unlovable. That's profound. I'll show you how far this goes in just a moment. Third level of meaning, and we use it all the time, especially when teaching the Bible. Grace means undeserved kindness. All of these things are the same. They're just said differently. It is when you're kind to people who do not deserve it. You think about that. Grace is when you're gentle, kind, and soft toward people. Now, that's easy when they're being nice towards you. But being uh, soft, gentle, and kind towards somebody who's hurting you, that's grace. And being that way consistently, it is a way of life, a way of speaking, a way of loving, especially as a woman. Used to be, I mean, we've got enough our angry men. We don't need a lot of angry women now joining in the fight. The Apostle Paul, well, I'll take you there in a moment. You're in Proverbs. Go to chapter 21. Because sometimes understanding a word requires that you understand the opposite of it. Proverbs chapter 21 in verse 9. Because the opposite of a gracious woman is one who's an arguer, one who's aggressive, one who's a fighter, a brawler. Those are Bible words. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9. Wisest man, God says, whoever lives, said this. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop. That means up in the loft, in the furthest corner of the loft, than with a brawling woman in a wide house. It's better to find a place she can't find you. <laughs> When she's angry and wanting to fight, go to verse 19, same chapter, Proverbs 21, 19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness. That's why some, uh, some people just, you know, they just run away. Look what it says. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. And I, it, was, it was true then, it's true now. Nobody can coexist with somebody who's constantly angry or whatever. And a gracious woman is different than that. Not that you don't get angry. Not that things don't upset you or whatever. But to become that way, to be that way, that's not God's way. So gracious women are becoming rare because I find a lot of very hurt women who have become very angry who are the brawling, the fierce, the angry, the fighting, the contentious ones. And they may have very good reason. Is that what you want to be like? Graciousness in women has, has, has become something that is so mocked at, so looked down upon. Anybody who is gracious, anybody who's being kind, 
towards other people who are being abusive and being rude towards them is seen as weak, seen as a pushover, a doormat, dominated, a slave. I have found that no heroine in movies today are gracious. Not at all. Female movie stars are all battling supervillains. They're all saving the world from utter destruction. They're battling for first place in the corporate world, conquering all the things that all the supermen have failed to conquer. The kind of woman the world promotes are physically strong, aggressive, powerful leaders and conquerors. Feminists hate femininity. But according to God, physical abilities are not the mark of a great woman. Graciousness is. Remember our verse, Proverbs eleven sixteen, A gracious woman retaineth honor. So grace is important to God. Almighty God, all, who is all holy, loves grace. I need you to go to the right and go to Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, you'll find Jesus reading the scriptures. And as he's reading the scriptures, he's not reading it roughly and rudely and harshly. Listen to what he's doing, how he's reading, and listen to how they hear him. Luke chapter 4 and verse 22. Luke 4, 22, and all bear him witness. And they wondered, they were amazed at the gracious words. See, as he was reading the scripture, he was actually reading it to the people in the audience of, of the uh, synagogue, synagogue. And as he spoke, he spoke with love and compassion and with urgency of hearing what he said. And it said, they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they all said, is not this Joseph's son? We never knew he could talk like this. Gospel of John now to the right. Gospel of John chapter 1. God loves grace. John chapter 1 verse 14. John 1 14. The word. God the word. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. What was he full of? Full of grace and truth. Now, I hear some people talk about Mary being full of grace. You better keep it right. You better switch that back. Jesus was full of grace. Look in verse 16. And of his fullness, the fullness of that grace, and of his fullness have we all received, and we received it grace for grace. Circle those three words because we'll come back to those in a little bit. Grace for grace. And then verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So grace is very important to God. Haven't you noticed God has had great, um, has, has had amazing grace toward us? Just sang that song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What saved? Was it God's wrath? Was it God's justice? No, God's justice was poured out on Jesus so that he could have grace toward me, so he could forgive me when I didn't deserve it. That attitude that God has sacrificing himself for me is grace. Do you know God puts up with people who are the opposite of himself? <laughs> That's us. We're not like him. Do you know God loves people who do not love him back yet? 
He is patient, kind, and isn't he full of compassion? I mean, he takes care of you when you and I don't deserve it. And he's that way consistently, constantly, whether you believe it or not, he is always being kind towards us. And yet, at the same time, would you ever accuse God of being weak? Would you <coughs> accuse him of being a pushover, of being dominated, of being a slave, timid or wimpy? No, he is still almighty, even though he is gracious. He is all powerful, even though he is kind. He loves being gracious. And I have to admit, I'm glad for his grace and his gentleness, as was David. If I can take you back to Psalm 18, these are some, this just builds to this concept that we take for granted of grace. Psalm 18. <clears throat> Psalm 18.35. This is David speaking, and in all of his battles, God he could have seen as God as somebody who was rough with him, and God was pressuring him and molding him and, 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 and making him great by, by such uh, trouble in his life and such fights and wars. But listen to what he says in verse 35. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, when he was ready to fall, and thy gentleness. Isn't that a wonderful word? Do you see that word? Circle that word. And thy gentleness hath made me great. So he realized God could have crushed him. God could have put too much on him that he could bear. And he instead he says, you know, God was always gentle with me. That's grace. I'll show you another one. One more. Ephesians now. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by, here's our word, grace, by means of grace, because of God's grace, his kindness, his undeserved kindness toward us. For by grace are you saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is just simply God giving you a gift if you'll take it. He goes on, he says, not of works, because you can't earn it. It's undeserved. That's what grace is. So let me start off. Let's go back to, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 11, back to the middle of your Bible, Proverbs chapter 11. I want to show you those two sides of that scripture verse in Proverbs chapter 11, because Solomon makes two great statements under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to teach us two great truths, each one teaching you about the other half. Okay. And I'll start with the last half here because um, uh, it, it just it will help you understand the first half. But let's read it. Proverbs eleven sixteen: A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. Now, you may think that's kind of weird, but this reflects a great truth for Mother's Day, all right, and for every day. But let's start with today, okay? And the first truth is that that gracious women hold on to their honor. That's what it says. A gracious woman holds on to her honor. She thinks how she is, is the right way to be and is the best way and is a honorable way to be. See, some women think I've got to fight back. I've got to show who's boss. I've got to make my voice heard. Well, maybe you do, but you better be careful that you don't lose your grace and you don't lose your honor because there is an honor in being gracious, 
that is better than being angry. But there's a second half to that verse that says strong men hold on to their money and they don't lose it. They don't waste it. They don't let it be robbed from them. Now that's very, very important because I'll start with this second thing. God honors strong men. Now maybe that's news to you. Maybe you like wimpy men. Maybe you like pushover men. Maybe you like controlling your men. Well, I'm going to tell you, that is wicked, wrong, and evil, confusion. It is destroying our society. God honors strong men. Men should be strong. And not just physically strong. But it is important to teach young men. I see too many little boys growing up 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. They can't run 100 meters without panting. They, by the time they're 17, they've never mowed uh, uh, their garden. Dad's still doing it. They don't know how to work a day's labor. They've never, listen, when I was, uh, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old, my dad put me off onto farms every once in a while, wasn't very many times, but I learned how to gather, bale, bind hay and carry a bale of hay onto a truck and watch that truck drive away with Hundreds of bales that I had put on there by the time I was 13 years old. Men should be strong. We have to start teaching young men to be strong again. Strong enough to work all day. You know, you can't. I, most men sit in front of a computer all day long. Uh, most men don't know how to work a day's labor. I'm very, listen, one of the, uh, the, the best kind of jobs that you can ever get, uh, that you can ever do is one that keeps you healthy. Working with your hands, working with your mind, working outdoors. I don't care if you're uh, topping trees, uh, uh, hanging the, uh, electrical wires um, outside. That is one of the best jobs because you'll live long if you don't execute yourself. But you'll live long because you're exercising, you're working, you're outside, your mind is clear. You're not just sitting in front of a computer screen all day long. Sometimes you got to do that. But strong. we need some young men to grow up to be strong enough to work eight hours a day, five days a week, and then work at home the rest of the time. We need strong men who are strong enough to withstand temptation. Strong men. Strong enough to carry burdens of other people who need help. Instead of watching, here's a 30-year-old man coming home after working seven hours because he's paid for eight, but he only works seven, and he comes home and he collapses while his wife, who's also been working, comes home, and she's still fixing the dinner and doing the clothes and taking the kids, and he's too tired to get up and help. That's a wimp. We need some strong men who carry loads, who can help people, who can step out of their own comfort zone and go mow somebody else's grass, who, have, who make time to be a blessing and a help. Young men who do the hard things, the risky things, the exciting things. Quit living in the, the, the thrill of someone else. God honors that. Now, I have to say this. All the new Bibles change this one verse. If you've got a new international version, or if you've got a new King James version, or if you've got the brand new, new, new uh, English standard version, it's a perversion. I'll tell you why. Let me quote to you what the ESV says. A gracious woman gets honor. But violent men get riches. What? Let me quote the NIV. A kind-hearted woman gets honor, gains honor, but ruthless men gain only wealth. What? 
The New King James says the same thing. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. You know, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You see, they're trying, somebody, whoever wrote those new Bibles were feminists, and they don't like strong men. And they disagree with the leader, leadership in men. And so they make men who have strength and men who do make decisions and do set their course, they make them ruthless and violent, and they're only out for money. That's not what the Bible says. Read your Bible again. Proverbs chapter 11, 16 says, A gracious woman, and he's showing both as a good thing. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. Why? Because people try to rob you of your money. The world tries to tell you the money to the ga uh, gambling or to the drink or for the cigarettes. And a strong man says, no, I made that money. I'm not going to throw it away. And it's the same way with a woman. She has honor and she's not going to let it go. So all of those new Bibles, you've got one of those new Bibles, throw them away. Throw them away because they don't tell you what God says. They tell you what a feminist said. No wonder there's so many feminists in the modern churches, so many people who are angry in the modern churches because they have a Bible that tells them it's okay to be mad at strong men. May God give us, listen, uh, let me take a step back here. Bible says strong men retain riches like a boxer holds on to his title. Somebody's known as the world champion. He's going to get into fight after fight to hold on to that title. The same way strong men hold on to their income and they don't waste it. I don't care if you don't, if you have only a thousand euros, you're not going to let it be robbed. You're not going to let it. You're not going to let the government take it. You're not going to let you pay your taxes, but you're not going to pay more. And you're not going to let them keep charging you more. And you're not going to uh, let things be wasted. You're going to live frugally. You're not going, you're going to hold on to your money. A strong man doesn't waste and doesn't get stole, uh, get robbed. May God give us a new generation of strong men, not angry men. You see, a woman will hear the word strong and they'll equate that with, well, he's an angry man. No, we've got enough of those. We don't need angry men. We need strong men. We don't need the opposite, which is lazy men. No, we need strong men. Men who live not for wealth, but to live for God. And if they make some money, it's because they've been frugal and they worked hard. The Bible says the hand of the diligent, the hand of the hard worker, that person will be made rich. Um, men who are strong don't waste their money. They do the right things in God's sight. They decide they will not do wrong and they keep that promise. They keep themselves as pure as the woman they want to marry. It's the woman they as, as as they want the woman they marry to be when they marry one day. Strong men are those who are men who know their men and are not confused. They don't hate themselves and they don't worry about changing their gender. Strong men are those who who go out to get jobs. Let me repeat that. Strong men get jobs. If you're sitting under the preaching of my voice and you don't have a job and you can work. Shame on you. Strong men get jobs, pay their own way, stay out of debt. And every woman in this room and on this internet will be saying, Amen. Because nobody respects a, a young man who doesn't work. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. A strong man will get a job, will pay his own way, stay out of debt, save back money, and not waste it. 
God honors strong men who hold on to whatever the world is trying to rob them of. And God honors gracious women. This is my message. <clears throat> Back to Proverbs eleven 16. We'll look at it one more time here. A gracious woman retaineth honor. Now to be gracious, to be a gracious woman means to be meek and quiet. See, sometimes a strong man has to raise his voice. Sometimes all he has to do is just look at his kids and they straighten up. That's strength. All right, that's authority. But see, mama, listen, you need only one person like that in a home, and that all should be dad. A woman should have grace. And there's a lot I wish I could teach you. I, I, I could use another whole hour just talking about how grace and law work together. Okay? But let me just say this. A gracious woman is meek and knows when to be quiet. She does not need to be loud or fierce or angry or pushy. She needs to be strong, and yet her strength needs to be under control. She knows when to be meek. Did you know the, the strongest, most authoritative man who's ever lived was Moses, and God called him meek because he had strength under control. And when God says for a woman to be meek, he's not telling her to be wimpy and timid and a pushover. She has a lot of power, but she's to hold it back. To be gracious means to be like Christ. Do you know, to be like Christ is the highest calling of a woman. To be like Christ is the highest calling of a man. What was Jesus like? He says he was meek and lowly. So be like Christ. And like his will for your life and his design. Did you know, don't hate your body. Don't hate your gender. Don't reject God's will for your life. Don't want to be like Beyonce or Kamala Harris or Angelina Jolie. Don't want to be like anybody else in this world. Just want to be like Jesus. That is honorable and praiseworthy. Any woman who has... Such honor as being like Christ. Can you imagine anybody looking at you going, you're a Christian, aren't you? You ought to do a jig. You ought to raise your hands and dance around and go, that's the greatest thing anybody's ever said to me, to be like Jesus. Now, a gracious woman not only has grace, but holds on to that honor of being a woman. So in the same way that a strong man holds on to his income and doesn't waste it, doesn't lose it gambling or drinking or smoking, a godly woman refuses to let the world define what is honorable. Follow me for a minute. A gracious woman has let God define her life. By birth, she is defined as a female. I don't care what governments say. I don't care what psychologists say. I don't care what your aunt says. By birth, you are already defined by God as a woman. Thank God you're not defined as a man. By your choice and by your training, you're defined as feminine. Now, not everybody is feminine, but by choice, you can be. By your love for one man for life, you are defined as a wife. By the miracle of pregnancy, you're defined by God as a mother. And it is a miracle. By the new birth, you're defined as a Christian. By Christ's calling, you're defined as a servant, first of Christ and of all around you. And ultimately, you should seek to be known as Christ-like by whatever suffering you may have to endure in this life 
until you go home to heaven. A gracious woman holds on to that honor that God has defined her by. Isn't it amazing how the devil has convinced this generation to hate who they are, to hate God? That is a spirit of Antichrist that steps in and says, you should hate what God made you to be. Don't let anybody take that honor away from you. Because there is great honor in being a woman and especially a mother. By the way, God honors strong women. Just not hard women, angry women. There is a difference between a hard woman and a strong woman who is gracious. I can tell you, there's well over two dozen very important women in the Bible you should learn from that teach you about graciousness and strength. How about a woman named Abigail in 1 Samuel 25? Wow, she put up with a guy named Nabal. She had grace because she should have killed him. There's a great woman of Shunem in 2 Kings chapter 4, Sarah, Abram's wife. She was a woman of grace. Now she had her moments. How about Ruth? Such conflict, such trouble in her life. And yet she had grace and faith and stability. How about Hannah? She didn't start off gracious. Oh, she was hurt. But after one prayer time before God giving everything to God and surrendering and finally yielding to the will of God, she became a gracious mom of one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. How about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Wow, what an amazing woman. The grace she had to have. How about Dorcas? I could give you two dozen more. Every one of those women were stronger than the fiercest feminists today. You know what's funny? The feminists will be forgotten in eternity, but these women will never be forgotten. They are honored by God for all eternity. So let me talk to you about becoming gracious and I'll be finished. Because nobody by nature is gracious. Grace is something we receive from God. God. I know you probably have some graces. You have some things that you're nice about, but deep down there are flaws. Let's work on those flaws briefly, shall we? Uh, have you noticed that every woman wants to be beautiful? Especially in the eyes of others. She'll never think that she's beautiful, okay? But every woman wants to be beautiful in the eyes of others. They want to have the perfect body, the perfect face, the perfect hair, beautiful clothes. God says there's something far more important, a higher priority. God says you need to want to have grace. So if you want to have grace, receive it first. It doesn't come out of an empty well any more than you can drive on an empty tank in your car. Ladies, you need God's grace. Every one of us will face the wrath, the judgment of God one day, unless we get our sins forgiven by the Son of God. God's grace is all wrapped up in one person, and it's not your priest, it's not your pastor. It is your Savior, Jesus Christ. John, you can leave Proverbs, go to Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 16. <clears throat> And of his fullness, remember we read this verse at the beginning in verse 14, so it's full of grace and truth. Look at verse 16. And of his fullness have we all received and grace, watch these next two words, for grace. Notice the idea is what when you receive the grace of God, you receive that grace so that you can give the grace. 
That grace is for having grace with other people. And until you receive that grace, you'll have nothing for other people who hurt you. We offend God. We fight against God. We resist the Holy Spirit. We, we reject and neglect the things of God until we receive the grace of God. And at that moment, all of a sudden, we who were so, so hurtful towards God and so angry towards God and so different than God, that moment we got born again and received the grace of God, then when somebody's hurting us, when somebody's resisting us, when somebody's fighting us, we still extend grace. So the grace is for grace. We read there in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. But Titus 2, 11 is kind of unique. Go to the right, just before Hebrews, a little book called Titus, chapter 2 and verse 11. Sometimes, ladies, you need to be reminded that if nobody else seems to love you like you need to be, God does. Your kids don't appreciate you. If your husband ignores you and neglects you and neglects your needs, God does not because watch, he has grace towards you and he loves you. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says this, for the grace of God, circle those three words, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. He's got grace and he's got grace not only for you, but for the hardest, roughest, toughest person out there, God has grace for you. You need to just receive it. So right now, the first thing you need to do, and remember this, is receive the saving grace of the Lord Jesus yourself. Jesus is the one who said you must be born again. That's when you receive his kindness towards you and forgiving you. Then you'll be able to sing amazing grace with meaning. Then it will mean something to you. Second thing you need to do is you need to get trained in grace. Say, what? Yeah, now you're in Titus. Young ladies need training in graciousness when they're young. You get a girl who's 15, 16, 17, it's almost too late to teach them how to be kind. But if they have not been taught, especially by their mom and their dad, if they have not been taught how to be kind when they're hurt or when they've been, when they've been um, verbally bullied or whatever, everybody's worried about bullying. That's a worry, but you better worry about teaching your kids to have grace to the bullier and how to walk away and be meek and quiet, have strength. There's nothing wrong. And I taught, we had our kids in judo and karate, not karate, but jujitsu, whatever it was, so they could defend themselves. But I wanted my children to know how to be gracious toward those people who were hurtful and mean and rude and bullying. There in Titus chapter 2. Being gracious is something that has to be learned. Ladies, you do not need more training in anger management. That's what they'll tell you. You need to go for anger, anger management classes. No, you don't. You need to go in grace classes. That's what you need. You don't need more training in beauty products or bodybuilding or how to develop more bitterness or arguing or fierceness. You need to be trained in having grace. I said go to Titus. I, we will come back. Hold your place here. Go to the right. Find Hebrews 12. And we'll come back to Titus in just a moment. Hebrews 12 and verse 28. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 28 says this. Wherefore we, we Christians, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, 
doesn't change. Let us have what? Grace. Let's just have grace with one another, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let's have grace. You ever, you ever heard that phrase? Let's have peace. Let's have grace. Let's have love. All right, let's have grace is our challenge. And it has to be learned. So go back to Titus. Let me show you where God actually commands that older women teach younger women how to be gracious, how to have grace. And he gives some things in the examples. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 says this. And he actually tells Titus, the pastor, to teach the older women and command them to teach the younger women these truths. Look at Titus 2, verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they, he says, command them to be in behaviors becometh holiness. You know, the older you get, you're not let off the hook so that you can live any way you want. No, you're supposed to live holy, your life as a Christian, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Why? That they may teach the younger women. That's what I want to be I shouldn't be the only teacher in this church. The, the children's church teachers shouldn't be the only teachers in this church. The older women in this church have a responsibility to teach the younger women, watch, to be sober. That's to be a thinker. Most women react by emotion, and emotions aren't wrong. But living by them is destructive. Be sober-minded. Be thoughtful. Before you speak, make sure you've thought about what you're about to say. Look what he says, to love their husbands. Now, it only takes, it takes an older woman to teach a younger woman how to just keep loving their husband, even though the husband lets them down and fails them or hurts them. Don't just tolerate your husband, love him. Loving their children. Think about it. That's grace. You say, I love my child. No, you spoil your children. You have no idea how to love your child. You need an older woman to say, you've gone too far. That's too much. Don't reason with them. Just expect this of them. This is how you love. You need an older woman to teach you that. Verse 5, to be discreet. Wow, what a word that is. Most women, the way you dress, let me tell you, it's not discreet. You, you, can, you can abuse the liberty you have without even knowing it. Be careful how you dress. Be careful how you speak. Be careful um, uh, how you... You know how you treat one another. I mean, you put three women in a room. I mean, it, it, they uh, sizing each other up, just uh, uh, judging each other. Be discreet. Just be a blessing. Discretion is carefulness about how you do things, how you dress and walk and talk and act. Then he then he uses another word. Uh, um, he says um, to be discreet, chaste. Now, that's not chase. I mean, I chased my wife, tried to get her to marry me, but that's a different kind of chasing. It says chaste means reserved, as in not aggressive, not fierce. Keepers at home. Ooh, those are heated words. But, you know, instead of trying to run the world, why don't you learn how to run your home right? That's the bigger job. Most homes are hell holes instead of heaven on earth because Mom is too, trying, too busy trying to run a corporation instead of trying to be at home and try to run the home. And dad's trying to pick up the pieces and we don't know how. Keepers at home, good. Doing good instead of evil, like at the discos. Too many, too many women, pregnant uh, and, and childbearing women are at the disco. Can you believe that? You know, a child ought to change your life. Doing good 
and obedient to their own husbands. Watch this. That means submissive, and it's got to be learned. You say, oh, I don't like that. You need to learn it so that the word of God be not blasphemed, because that's what the devil's doing. He's mocking the Bible, and the world is mocking Christians because Christian women aren't that way. They're not gracious. And they need to learn it. Then once you learn it, let me tell you, you're not finished. You need to grow in it. Now I'm trying to just give some of these thoughts to you. I could spend an hour on each one of them. Grow in it. Go to Second Tim, uh, Second Peter. Second Peter three, the last verse. Second Peter three eighteen. You know, if God's given you grace, you need to grow in that grace. Second Peter three eighteen says this: But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace that God has for you. Enjoy it and grow up in it. Don't grow up in anger. Don't grow up in the world. Grow up in God's grace and then grow in your grace toward others. You ought to be more gracious. I mean, if you're saved five years, you ought to be much more gracious than you were when you were two and three years saved. You ought to be more gracious. Grow in it. And then extend grace to everyone around you. Now I'm going to finish with this. I'll just read it. Look back one. Uh, look back uh, one book. First Peter chapter uh, three. You see, you've been you've received grace. You've been trained in grace. You start growing in grace. Then you need to start extending grace. Where first in your home? You know, it's very easy to show grace toward people at work. It's very easy to show grace toward people who don't know you. You need to show grace at home. And that's where 1 Peter chapter 3 comes in. It says, likewise, you wives. Wow, it's right there in your face, isn't it? Be in subjection to your own husband. Go ahead and let him lead. That if any obey not the word, they're not living by the Bible, but you better determine you will. They, may, they also may, without the word, be won, won over by the conversation of the wives. You want to win? Have the right way of speaking. Have the right way of, of living at home. Verse 2. Graciously, verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation, your graciousness, coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning. Most women manipulate their husbands. Don't do that. Let the adorning be not that outward adorning, plating of the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on a fancy apparel is what he's saying. But let it be the showing of a hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible, it doesn't fail. Even the ornament of a meek a quiet, we'd say gracious spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, they adorned themselves with that attitude, with that graciousness. They uh, adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. And their husbands were no more perfect, uh, no more of a mess than your, than your uh, husband. They're made out of the same flesh. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, wow, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Bible tells us over and over, don't be afraid. Trust God. Do the right thing and God will take care of you. Extend grace at home. Have grace toward that husband who is failing you. Have grace toward those kids who you want to just choke. Have grace with yourself. Realize you are not the Savior. You're not God. You're not the capable of carrying all the problems. You need God's grace so that you can extend grace, so that you can just tell somebody, I just love you. 
I, I don't understand what you're going through, but I love you and I'm your mom and I will stand by you and I will help you, but I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. You see, that's grace. When you're just yelling and screaming and pushing, you're not getting anywhere. We need to extend grace. Yes, there's a time when the law has to be laid down, where judgment has to fall. But mom, let dad do that. Step back, show grace, show kindness. Don't fight, don't argue with your man. But work together, law and grace. I'm telling you, there's a great message there. They work hand in hand. And you'll be able to do it all because of God's grace. You'll only be able to do it, by the way, all by God's grace. So if you read those scriptures with disgust and with repulsion, and it's like, what? They need to go back to the first thing I said. That was you need to receive grace first. You need to realize how, how much God puts up with you and yet is gracious. And you need to receive his grace. So moms, it's Mother's Day. Thank you for being mom. Thank you. You have our honor today. You, uh, you have my praise and you have God's praise. Hold on to it. Hold it dearly. Don't lose it. You ever lost your temper? Don't lose it. <laughs> Don't lose your honor. It was a gift. The honor of being a mom is a gift that came from God. The way you do that, hold on to it. First receive the grace that God gave you in Jesus Christ. That's being born again. That's salvation. Who wouldn't want to get saved if you realize the wrath of God, the judgment of God coming? Get born again. And then learn as much as you can about grace. You know, there's some people who get all caught up in theology and they get up caught up in these tiny little doctrines. Here that they're, let me tell you, it does you no good compared to grace. Hebrews chapter 13 says, let the heart be established with grace and not with all the doctrinal meats, things that people choke about. You ought to be learning about women who put up with hard things, who did hard things and yet stayed sweet and stayed gracious because God honors them. Grow in that grace, ladies. Grow in it. Don't grow bitter as you grow older. Grow more gracious. And then, boy, be a blessing. And you already are a blessing. You're not appraised enough and appreciated enough, but wouldn't you like to say, I am doing what God said when he said, grow in grace. Father, bless our moms. Take away any hard hearts that are in between them and you. God, every one of us need to look at our hearts and see that your grace has made us great. You, you, any good thing that's come of our lives is because you were kind to us. You carried us. You helped us when, when you should have given up on us. And that's grace. And Lord, if there's anything that, that this world needs, it is some gracious women who are mothers and who care about the honor of being a godly mom and don't want to lose it. Don't want the world to wrongly honor the feminists and honor the angry women and the, the fake women that are on TV and on in Hollywood, but the real strong women who are the moms. So bless this Mother's Day. Bless the women who we call mama. Help them, God. We can't help them. We're the recipient of all their kindness. You can help them, though, if they would just cry out to you right now, Lord, make me a better mama, but not just a better one, a gracious one. 
may my home from this day forward be a taste of heaven on earth and not hell on earth anymore. Lord, would you please? There's a mom out there who's struggling and just doesn't know how to take any of all this in. And they realize it's because maybe they've never been born again and they need Jesus Christ in their heart of hearts. May they cry out to him right now, God. Lord, have mercy on me and save me. Lord, I know you'll do it because you did it for me and you did it for countless millions of others. Save somebody today. Thank you for giving us these promises and this challenge. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a happy, wonderful, in spite of COVID, have a happy Mother's Day.